Oh, World Leagues. Tales of Tiny Gods from Brooklyn Games is finally live on Kickstarter. I'm backing it right now. On its surface, Worldlings is a catalog of tiny gods that permeate the natural world. It's more than that. It's creating a mystery generator and pre-written story hooks that GMs can use to create encounters for the curious to investigate. And remember, as always, patreon.com backslash Brooklyn Games. You can get a new zine every month. Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian. I'm joined today by Jeff Jones. Is it Jeffrey or Jeff, should I refer to you as? Uh, you call me Jeff. <laughs> All right, Jeff Jones. <laughs> my, hi- my handle on uh, on Twitter is I am Jeffrey, but it's not because I'm being pretentious. It just that's what worked out. <laughs> that works. That works. Now, Jeffrey does RPG Ramblings, which is a, a podcast, and he also got a Kickstarter going on right now. Is that correct? Well, yes, as in the future. <laughs> so right now we are in the past, but you listening will be in the future. But yes, this works Gar- appropriate. <laughs> yes, exactly. The time travel. Yeah. So Gary's appendix. So in the future, it will be the present. And by that point in time, it will be live and it will be happening. So by the time you listen to this, there should be a link in the show notes where you can go and, and back it. So go and back it. I, I Please go and back it. Here's your five dollars, Logar. Thank you. Thank you very much. I do take money. Yes. I, I do take money. I do buy the Powerball quite often. You missed out on the 1.3 billion or whatever. Oh, oh don't remind me. I'm, 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 my heart is broken. I have. I still haven't checked those tickets. I, I, you see, I got this thing about the lotto. Like I'll buy lotto tickets. Yeah, because for like they're like three bucks now for a ticket when I buy them. But in my mind, I it's like twelve bucks for a movie ticket. And that's two hours of entertainment. For that three dollars every day when I'm driving to and from work in the evening, I get hours and hours of entertainment, just daydreaming of what I'm gonna do when I get it. So it's a value. <laughs> it occupies my mind. So Gary's appendix. Yeah. So the the uh, for, it may just be a little too overly clever. You know, sometimes you get these ideas, and you're like. <laughs> So the idea really was uh, the Dungeon Master's Guide is a very, very, uh, the first edition Dungeon Master's Guide. Not saying the other ones aren't great, but as far as the first edition, it's, it's, a, it's a strange combination of articles. I mean, yes, it is. And it's, it's fascinating. In fact, it holds up today where you could just pick it up and read it. Yeah, there's a great reason that I constantly pick it up and, and lay in bed and just go, like, what am I going through here? What is this? <laughs> yeah, what are my odds of catching a parasite while in the jungle? Well, it's apparently... <laughs> Pretty high. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it has it all. So the idea was to create a zine where, I mean, the illusion is also was the, you know, of course, the, the appendices at the end of the of the Dungeon Master's Guide were just odds and end articles. And so, you know, I played around with the whole maybe Appendix J for Appendix Jeff, but <laughs> I thought, no, that's <laughs> so I just sit on Gary's appendix because I couldn't think of anything more clever than that. That's good. That's good. I appreciate it. No, a thoughtful zine for OSE. So what kind of stuff's going to be in it then? Well, the, the first thing it, it was started out was the uh, the best dairy. So what I've done is I 
one of the things I'm doing is going through the uh, OSE SRD bestiary. And, you know, you go through these things and you get like, if you roll for random encounters, you get like bandit. Yeah. Dryad. Yeah. Camel. <laughs> and you're like, okay, like what am I going to do with this? And I you think got, part of the problem, yeah. You like, got to get creative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is I think there is a lot of very fun things that can be done with these. It's just a matter of taking a step back. And a lot of us just don't take the step back. So I took a step back for everybody to, to be able to benefit from that. So it's like, you know, looking at bandits, why are people bandits, uh, kind of maybe some political things going on and being able to say, you know, it's not just a random bandit, but that bandit there is for a reason. He's got a purpose and, uh, and how, you know, the players engage with that or how the GM uses it's really up to them. And, and, you know, and the same thing with some of the mythological creatures and even some of the non-mythological creatures, like, like a boar, you think, okay, wild pig. But there is a lot of mythology surrounding boars. And so you can kind of tease those things out. And it's a means of just being able to take those encounters, be able to, in order just read them for inspiration, come up with ideas that can you know, either be a fun encounter or maybe launch into a campaign. Excellent. I like that idea. And like, it's often like, especially with the bandits, having some options to do with the bandits and things like that. Cause I've, I've run so many brigands and it's just, if you're not, if I'm not prepped for it, sometimes <laughs> it falls flat. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's kind of interesting because I mean, even some of the ones that are mythological, you think there'd be a lot to do with, but then when you actually get to, it, it's like a dryad. It's the most common thing is what just, you know, some sort of woman is trying to, you know, uh, seduce a person or whatever. It's like, well, there's got to be more to it than this. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the, the angle. So it's not only that, but we also have. Uh, so there's going to be also an article on uh, wandering encounter tables ah. and also another one for adding zaniness or zaniness but even action adventure into into us like a scenario so if, if you want a high action kind of situation we also have an article there that also presents that so yeah before i go too far very make sure i get the names right so the uh, the wandering monster is travis miller he's the one uh providing that article the other one's called chaos and anatomy of fun encounters so andrew tryon's doing that one so we also have another one that's called a, the cost of sage advice. Ah. So had, yeah. So Gary Gygax had like three pages on, on sages. Did you know that in the DMG? Yeah. And uh, they <laughs> a second edition, didn't they put out a whole entire book on sages or something weird like that at some point in time? Or what was that book? Was I don't it? know. <laughs> that was past my time. I, I yeah, that was a, I fell asleep during that time. I, I missed the whole, there's probably a couple decades I missed. So, but, they had, uh, but yeah. They had a lot of interesting GMs, like miscellany type books that are, I say, if you haven't picked those up and you see those little blue books floating around for GMs, pick them up. They have good stuff in them. That was some of the better books they put out for second edition because they were like, just kind of like the, the Dungeon Master's Guide. They just had lots of stuff for the DM to work with. And there were some, like they had ones on ships and NPCs and villains and fleshing out dungeons and castles and all kinds of different little blue books that were very much along the lines of this kind of stuff they were putting on some of the dungeon mags at the time they were checking out <laughs> yeah and the idea is to it could be just fun to read but it also in the ose i think the whole vibe is rather than getting the, the complexity it's, it's more of a stripped down mechanics 
and something that just it's more useful immediately too. Yeah. Well, and they're in the future we may just do more, you know, theoretical or you know, at least the first issue, it's 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 a little bit more practical. So and OSC has done something totally different in its own right, and and it's really kind of breathing something into the old school. Uh, I don't know what the, the OSR you could say or whatever's happening, but it seems to be attracting a lot of folks to the game, at least to the old school game. Whereas uh, I feel that before there were quite a few different little clones out there, it feels that OSE has kind of risen to be the one that everybody's looking at right now. Well, yeah, and listening to uh, your interview with Zach Glazer, I think that I think he kind of, I mean, that goes to show even with Necromancer Games. You know, because their books were quite voluminous <laughs> to say, you know what, we're going to look at, you know, OSC and, and not saying one's better than the other, but it definitely provides a much more efficient way of getting the book to the table for the GM. Yeah. And that bullet point, like style, that stripped down way of writing a module and adventure. I've said quite a few times on this show, it mirrors what I prepare for game when I'm preparing for game. I'm putting bullet points on notepaper. And I'm looking down and kind of browsing real quick and, and flipping between the few pages I have there. It's kind of laid out the way I prep. <laughs> and I think that's, you know, and I think there's always this kind of balance that, you know, maybe publishers are trying to, to, you know, levy, you know, one is I think some people enjoy, as you mentioned, you know, the lore and a lot of the details balancing that with something that's maybe more just bullet points where people may feel that's more maybe plain or mundane. So I think it's just different GMs, different styles, um, different ways of approaching it. It's not like one's better than the other. I also think there's a different place for both. Like, like if you look at something like what Frog God put out, this the the Lost Lands World Book. There's no adventure in there. It just is lore and the world and stuff like that. And it's a totally system neutral book. There's no so there's no like mechanics or mechanical bonuses or classes or anything like that in there. It's just all lore and history of the world and everything else. Whereas a book like, you know, um, what's one of the, 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 one of the, oh, poop, the hole in the oak. There we go. That, that was, that's what it's called. Hole in the oak, right? The yeah. OSC adventure. That's just an adventure. To run, that's just a dungeon crawl. It's just an adventure to run through. So there are two different kind of things there completely. And uh, I feel that there's definitely a place for both because I know I buy tons of those big old tomes of lore and everything and read through them all the time. I lay in bed every night just about with one of those books going through them for years, you know. Well, and I think what's to me, it was kind of interesting because I ran the the incandescent grottos with uh, my son, his friend and then um, the, the friend's father. And then I kind of after we're all done, just, you know, you know, went through what their thoughts were and uh, the the my son's friend kind of wanted more of a story behind it, you know, like yeah. a reason. And I thought it's kind of interesting. You can do that, but it kind of goes to show even the difference between like emergent play versus a structured, you know, scenario, which the GM has crafted. And those are two different approaches as well. Well, and reading through like, uh, what, what is the, what is the big Coriolis? There's uh there's two different books for that big path they have for Coriolis. Oh, the icons, path of the icons or something like that. Mercy of the icons. Mercy of the icons. Yes. And then, so I've, I've been reading through those things forever and I guess I could probably run that thing when I sleep, but, but looking at the way my, like I used to run very, I would say uh, story driven, what people will call railroad games when I was younger. 
oh, I ran superhero games, you know, and the superhero genre is, it was like, oh, I got this idea for a baddie and he's going to do this and you got to stop the, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm reading through like Coriolis and I've been doing some of this more like uh, for the last, for quite a while, you know, we're doing a lot of the more sandboxy games with a lot of the Lost Land stuff and Frog God and stuff like that, where there's less, less of a story you're being pushed through and it kind of emerges through the character's interaction. So reading through those Coriolis adventure paths, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, this is good stuff. This really doesn't follow the way that I run. I'd have to, I'm going to have to readjust and kind of throw gears and, and, and go back to what I used to do and, and try to see if I can still do that. <laughs> yeah. And I think what's hard, it's same with the adventure paths, even though I never ran one, but three books to follow the same chain of story. It, it seems like that's very difficult. I, yeah. It, without, I don't know how you really do it without really feeling like a strong railroad. Yeah, I think I, I promise that what will happen when it gets to my table is that that will be a seed and a beginning. And I'm sure my table will take it somewhere else. And I'm used to I'm used to rolling with those punches. I'm used to being like, OK, they did this. So one of the things is while I've been reading through that, I've been it gives lots of reference to the main Coriolis books, and they got a lot of other books. They have more sandbox type play stuff in them, and going back and forth and kind of referencing through those. So prepping for game is like, okay, uh, I can do this when they railroad when they when they jump off the railroad. I'm just gonna go, and we'll see where it happens. I already know what's going on behind the scenes. They don't have to be involved in it all for it to come into play if it does or if they take it someplace more interesting that's okay yeah, when we played it or i ran it 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 just did the kind of sandbox and just because of their shenanigans yeah i it, it worked out um because <laughs> <laughs> they make friends and they make enemies right and so yeah. it's just like you just keep full the idea is like every other adventure somebody's going to get folded back into this you've you know either you help or you screwed or a little bit of both so um, the only problem that's kind of interesting with that was one person came in with one set of expectation of more of a serious game, and then the rest of the group really wasn't into that much of a serious game. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it, it depends on the group I play with, uh, how serious and or goofy it is. I think most of the Wobblies and Wizard games we do do, especially the ones we're playing online, can't be... Kind of in the goofy realm sometimes. We do like to crack up. <laughs> yeah. And it's and there's nothing wrong with either style, but definitely uh, you know, Coriolis, I think, probably shines better when it's a little bit more serious. Yeah. It, it does have that more uh it does take itself more seriously than a lot of games that I'm used to playing. So and that's not a bad thing. I've in fact I ran games like that. I'm just when I'm looking at those books, I'm questioning myself, can I still run a game that serious? <laughs> Am I still able to do that without making a joke? <laughs> yeah, I, I think one thing I didn't do was the, uh, I forgot the name of it. What's the the ship that goes into hyperspace and then basically is a portal to the, hell? Is it the Ghazali or Gen Bank? No, I mean movie. There's a movie. Oh, the Event Horizon. I thought you were talking yes. about the one event. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I think I should have watched Event Horizon. I think if you get that kind of vibe and then go approach your game that way, I think you could help push the series a little bit more. Yeah, Event Horizon. I'm trying to think Alien. There's that one that Netflix yeah. came out where they were like flying around in space, scavenging like like scrap ships. I can't remember what that was called now. Was it good? I was going to watch it, but my wife just wasn't too keen 
It was neat. Yeah, it was neat. It was it's worth checking out, especially if you're around being around Coriolis. That's one I would suggest looking at. It's got some it's got some stuff I feel that would be very inspirational for a game like that. And if listeners, if you're not familiar with Coriolis, I'll just say it's from (laughs) Free League Publishing and uh, and it's a science fiction game. And, and it's really cool. And those of you that have been listening for a while have probably heard about it and know about it because I've talked about it in the past. Probably haven't brought it up recently, though. <laughs> I'm a big fan of what Free League's been doing uh, just in general, although I don't really bring them up on the, the podcast as much just because we tend to be talking to more independent creators more often here. And right. Freely, yeah, Freely's kind of a kind of a big thing now it's they're one of the bigger role-playing companies i'd say i'd venture to say out there well and they've also released the rules out for you know for publication as far as the uh, srd so they wrote they opened their license up so yeah. even if some people want to create stuff in that space it's it's there you know and the, and the game i've been working on here lately I, when i first started working on it the whole idea was was centered around using that year zero engine and I completely derailed and got off that. <laughs> I went as far away from that as possible. Why is that? It just didn't work. Um, when I first started working on it, we were doing like, oh, this would be for year zero engine. I said, oh, well, this would be good. Maybe we should do this as a mothership supplement instead of trying to make our own game. And because it was really the the meat and the, I feel the, what we had to offer wasn't the system. I didn't want to make a system. Right. Which is what we ended up, doing anyway <laughs> as we would jump from about to the mothership i said well maybe we should just do this like nave or something because mothership doesn't fit what we're doing and we started that and then then that we're looking at nave and karen and stuff and then we completely dumped that after i had written a system that was more like nave or karen or one of those games and then totally jumped rails said well this isn't the way we need to be going i just started incorporating that into more elements of like uh, what cepheus deluxe and traveler would do and kind of started applying those types of principles to more like classic traveler style games is that d or 2d6 system and i started looking at things like that when i started exploring it so yeah i know the mechanics are still different but you start looking at some of these d6 games there is a certain amount of you you could some things from traveler blend i mean there is some ways of blending things in it's not like these mm-hmm. even though they're the mechanics are different but boy i noticed that with with even things like with um blades in the dark they're just yeah. different things that, that can blend in if you want to go that direction they can or can't they can yeah 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 in fact, if you if, if you look at coriolis a lot of their stuff looks like traveler it's like a lot of their tables and yeah. such it's just like modified traveler for some of that yeah, it is. I, 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 I've never had an opportunity to actually sit down and play Traveler. I've got Traveler. I've got the core, the original box, and I've got that big giant tome that Traveler Five they put out and everything. <laughs> I never got that. Oh, it's cool. I like it, and I've sat there and read them. I just yeah. haven't had a chance. But like, um, I really, uh, I thought what Cepheus Deluxe was doing, and after talking to Omar, it was really good stuff. Uh, and I thought there was something neat there. And I started looking at like the Cepheus light and stuff like that. And I really started falling in love with those systems. I think I need to get those on some of the, some of the people putting some of that stuff on here a little more, start talking to them. Cause there's quite a few people out there doing that whole, I mean, they're essentially doing what, what uh, the OSR OSE is doing, but they're doing it with that old 2d6 system. 
that is apparently was put in the public domain at one point in time in an open license. Yeah, I think Mongoose uh, did that back in the day. I'm not sure how that happened because they don't have an SRD out there in the open. Or do yeah, they? I believe Mongoose does. Well, I have to look think, that up. So I believe, and I could be wrong because I'm not an expert, uh, but I believe that Mongoose put it out the SRD and then, then the people did Cephas, they actually, they went through and, and filled out a lot more of that skeleton. The Cepheus stuff has uh, has really been, yeah, I, I, and, and that, that Kickstarter just ended, and I backed that for the new edition of Cepheus Deluxe, and I'm really looking forward to getting that thing in the mail and going through because there's some really good stuff, and I like what they're doing there. It's it, there. It's at uh, www.traveler.srd.com. So there's a, a Traveler SRD. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I have to, I definitely have to look that, that SRD.com. Uh, yes. SRD.com. There we go. Open game. Yep. There it is. Traveler SRD. Oh, they got all kinds of SRDs on that site. Uh, don't they? Yeah. So <laughs> we really straight up Gary's, <laughs> Gary's appendix. Yes. We're, back, we're in traveler territory. <laughs> if you can't tell, that's what I've been, I've been messing with all day there. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So I, my mind must have just completely derailed us to that. Yeah, no, and, and the traveler system. I mean, it, it's it, there's modifications done with with the mongoose, I believe. I think they went. I think the success direction is actually the other direct. I think they might have like target numbers, and yeah, they change things around a little bit, maybe for a little bit better. Well, Cepheus Deluxe. So original, the OG traveler does like you got to roll over an eight to succeed, and. Cepheus Deluxe has given you more of a spread, like easy, hard, difficult. So it's like, I think it starts as low as like four. Well, they they Something. they did before, but they had modifiers. Yeah. Before. So that was the that was the one thing that I in my read through of the different rule systems, one thing that I was noticing difference-wise. So the modifiers are the bonuses to the roll, or are they a modifier to the target number? I forget. And it's been a while. So, yes. And that's, I think, one does one direction, another one does another direction. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, uh, I think, like negative arm, like AC kind of thing. That works. That works. Yeah. It's, and I've, like I've said, I've never actually sat down to play Traveler or Cepheus Deluxe. And I, I'd really like to get a chance. I've been trying to talk Cold Jake from our, our game group into running some Traveler or Cepheus Deluxe for a while. I've been putting little earworms in there. Like, hey. I think you'd be good with and i think he would because he gets into like the things that he gets into i feel that he would do a good traveler type game he kind of has an interest in some more military type subjects and things like that likes fantasy sci-fi stuff i think he would be suited yeah. to run in that game and, and traveler combat is a fail is a fail state <laughs> once you get in combat it's 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 ugly it's and that's that's one thing that attracted me. That's one thing I like. That's one thing I like. I, I, I'm what I've been working on. I don't want to be a combat heavy game. I want that to be like, yeah, the very last thing you want to do is get into a fight because you just might get killed. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's definitely something you want to. And another thing is even with spaceship, spaceship combat, it's like that's as a GM. I have a hard time like they get into combat with another ship. It's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> now that 
so I, I've looked at a few different systems when it comes to spaceship combat. The one that I think I've wrapped my head around the most, and I couldn't tell you how to do it here now, but the one that I was reading, like, okay, this kind of makes sense, is is that Coriolis one. It's You're almost, you have one person as captain who's allotting so many points via power through the ship telling people what to do, and, or the right. engineer does, and the captain, you know. Is how they kind of approach it, and I I can think I could work that in game, but I've never ran spaceship combat in game. I've I've done it with Traveler. It's been a while, but that was kind of a little bit nerve wracking, mm-hmm. like I say, because it doesn't take much for you know. I mean, it's it's brutal, and you know, and also if they're in a ship, you you could the ship could blow up. I mean, it's just uh, <laughs> it's like two ships going broadside. I mean, it's just, it's just, there's a point where holes start to disintegrate and the ship loses, you know, structure. I mean, if you get on the wrong side of that, it's, it's over. I mean, it's, yeah. it's pretty ugly. <laughs> and and that's what they, like I, like I said, that the alien RPG interests me because this idea of doing uh it's almost like a dungeon crawl in space. It seems like, but you're stuck there. You can't get out. There's no getting to the surface. You're in the middle of space. You get out of there, you're dead. So how do you survive if you can't escape? Yeah, what I would be interesting is one thing I've not seen for a space game is some sort of like uh, explore alien ruins. Yeah, and that's that's one of the reasons that I want to run Coriolis because I have this idea with the whole icons and everything talking about and they present some of the the Coriolis spaceship itself as it being made out of like Marvel and these very ancient building materials are mentioned often that I really like to kind of lean into some of that and do some like you know have a little cathedral floating on a meteor somewhere and do like a dungeon delve in space like that or something like that <laughs> yeah there's just not really many examples of that i mm-hmm. don't think that's been no. done yeah, i don't know why that is I, that's uh definitely something that i think that that could be leaned into and uh, i I'd, I'd like to see stuff like that more spaced sci-fi type games sci-fi type games i think tend to take a different feel and a different approach than like a lot of us playing the the old fantasy games where we're running around doing that dungeon delve. I think that a lot of people that gravitate towards the sci-fi games tend to be looking to emulate a different type of thing, perhaps. I could it be could wrong. be. But it'd be interesting to find, like, if you're in an alien environment or alien ship, and maybe something that's at a completely different technological level, maybe you have a certain amount of time to do something, but, you know, not actually feel like a dungeon crawl, like you're shooting and killing things, but you're having to deal with things you know, that are unusual and take some thinking. There's not really m- much out there. That's there is this, there is that Starship Warden, which is, uh, it, 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 have you seen that? You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. The Troll Lord, that is a, that is a beautiful book. <laughs> yeah, it's James War, but that's really intended to be like a, a gamma world inside a ship. Yeah. It's a post-apocalyptic, not just like, okay, there's a, there's a three million year old monolith floating out in space. Yeah, and inside it, it warps reality. <laughs> you know, that's what I would, would think would be kind of interesting, uh, rather than just. Uh, but I don't know. Somebody I'd needs to create somewhere. I, I need to talk about. So we're we're coming really close on time already. But I need to talk about something before you go. I want to talk a little bit about RPG ramblings because 
I don't know if I already mentioned it or not. When I was first starting the Wildlies and Wizards podcast, you were the first podcast that I went on and I got a chance to talk to you. And, you know, that was I was grateful. I was excited. I was thrilled about that. (laughs) I want to talk to you about RPG ramblings real quick. (laughs) Uh, So how has that been going? I've seen, you know, I've seen quite a few episodes here recently and uh, it's definitely still coming out. How's it been going? It's been good. I, I started this uh, originally for a couple of reasons. Um, one is I try. So uh, there were things that I was would like to have heard in, in podcasts, but I wasn't, you know, there wasn't come across. There's certain types of people, certain types of questions. And and so I decide, well, rather than just complain about it, I'll just need to do my own. But the other thing, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what's stopping you jeff <laughs> uh, so, so that and also it just i think the other thing is is it's just a good way to meet people and make friends so that yeah. was the other half of it yeah i've definitely met a lot of folks since i've been doing this and it's been it's been great uh how long have you been doing rpg ramblings for now a year and a half a year and a half so about uh, about a half a year because i i'm just uh, we're recording this like the week before the one year anniversary of the first episode. And it'll be probably posted the week after I think if my schedule is correct. <laughs> so yeah, that's about almost exactly a half a year longer than we've been. Yeah. So I just want to talk about that. If you all haven't heard RPG ramblings, definitely check it out. It's probably anywhere you can find podcasts, just like wherever you're listening to wobblies and wizards, you can type in RPG ramblings and, and there it will be. Right. Yeah, it's not competing. That name's not competing with anybody else. <laughs> RPG ramblings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's it's a good little podcast, and it's got a, it's got the great it's, it's got an, it's got an astronaut on the image, wasn't it? it yeah, yeah, it does. It does. So it, 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 a bright, vibrant yellow icon that you could you will you will recognize when you see it. It stands out. It stands out. <laughs> I guess we're at 30 minutes. This uh, Could you tell the listeners where they can find you online? And, and well, I guess the zine will be on Kickstarter, correct? It will be. Uh, yeah. So I can be at I underscore am underscore Jeffrey, but you can call me, you can call me Jeff. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I'm also, I'm also on Facebook, probably a little bit hard to find that way. If you just type in RPG ramblings, you'll find me. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you for coming on. It's been great talking to you again. Well, thanks, Logar. Likewise. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at Logar Hale Crom. We're on Patreon. We could use the support. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling. <laughs>